We're going to do a little recapping and then uh, pick up where we left off and uh, hopefully just finish out the chapter tonight. It's a great chapter, so much here, so much to consider, so much uh, application for our own lives and so forth. And uh, I know God just wants to uh, bless the time. So let's just, you know, just, just kind of backtrack a bit here. Again, we know that this is that next generation that that first generation had passed away once they came out of Egypt to, you know what, by faith moved out of Egypt. They partook in what's called Moses' baptism when they went through the Red Sea. And yet they didn't have faith to move in that promised land that Joshua was taking the children of Israel in now 40 years later. And it was one of these things that they doubted the word of the Lord. And we talked about this many times already. We'll keep going back to it. It's so applicable to our lives. You know what? They doubted God's ability to go before them and slay giants. I got news for you tonight. Our God is a giant slayer. He absolutely shed his blood. And we know that a lamb was taken and sacrificed. Its blood was shed that delivered them out of Egypt. It was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ who had atoned for the sins of the world. And they indeed left through the shed blood of a lamb and went through a baptism that was significant. You know what? There's a picture there of us when we come to Christ. Again, we put faith on the Lord. It took faith for them to do that, to take that lamb, to shed its blood, to put on their doorpost. They believed God in that. And then they got up and they went and walked out the way the Lord told them to. Very clear picture of us when we come to Christ. We put our faith in Jesus, his shed blood. And then absolutely, you know what? God calls us to a water baptism. That doesn't save us. But absolutely, that tells the world, I'm washed and I'm a follower of Jesus. And then from there, look, it doesn't stop there. That's just getting started there, amen? From there, God wants to work and move in our life. He told them, leave Egypt behind. I got better things for you. It's time to move forward to the promises I have for you and it's so important we know what those promises are that we walk in those things we walk in those things by faith and according to god's word what the scriptures say of who our god is and who we are in christ jesus it's so important that we don't bring in the philosophies of the world and the doctrines of demon and modern psychology and so forth but we stand in the living word of god because god's word stands forever listen flowers and grass they wither away and the scripture says that our flesh is like that we come and we go but god's word endures forever and absolutely to every generation so again they were delivered out and now it was time for them to go into the promised land to go into a land of milk and honey look at god's intention wasn't to have the children of israel murmuring and wondering for 40 years in a wilderness Aren't you glad the Lord does not save us unto wilderness living? But he called them to go in to trust in him. The fact that he would give them that land just as he said, I will deliver you out of Egypt. But what happened? They sent spies in. They sent 12 spies in and two came back. Caleb and Joshua said, let's go. We hear that a lot, don't we nowadays? Let's go. They're like, let's go. God's going to give us the land. But 12 men were 12 men of the flesh. 12 men that had quickly forgotten what God had did. They saw those plagues. They saw that deliverance. They saw the Red Sea split. They went through it and they saw the armies of Egypt 
get drowned by those waters when they came back. And now says God, go, God said, go in and take it. And what did they do? They went in and they saw giants. And they said, these giants are too big for us. Yes, it's, it's the land described by God, but these giants are too big. And they introduced a false, a, a false doctrine and they said, God can't deliver us from that. That's a false doctrine. What would have men that say that today? Listen, not only has God washed us of our sin, he now wants to go before us and establish us in him, teach us how to begin to walk in him, renew our mind, and go before us in the slaying of giants and bringing us into a land of milk and honey or a people that are bearing fruits of the Holy Ghost as described in Galatians chapter 5. Does that not sound good? Does that not sound better than wilderness living, living like the world, thinking like the world? You can be that way and even be one with faith in the Lord. That is not the life God has called us to. He's called us to a life moving forward in him, walking by faith. Yes, at times we stumble, but guess what? A righteous man falls seven times, and what does he do? Stay down? No, he rises again because the Lord lifts us up. The Lord strengthens us. We even learn through those things and so forth. And so that generation did not have faith. Those 10 spies came back and said, we can't do it. And sadly, the people listened to those 10 men versus listening to the two that were saying, let's go. Again, 40 years has passed. God said, this generation will pass away, but a next one will rise up and they will go in. And we've been reading about them in the first five chapters of this book, being led by Joshua. And now here they are on the cusp of going in. They've crossed the Jordan. The priests went forth into the waters and they split. And all of those in Israel went through. And guess what? Over in Jericho, they were watching this happen because from Jericho, you can see the Jordan River. And these guys were shaking in their boots because they had heard what God had done there and delivering them out of Egypt. He'd even heard the victories they had on the east side of the Jordan. And can you imagine now you're watching and you see the Jordan River split. And remember it says it's in the spring when the waters are overflowing. So we don't need the history channel to teach us that, you know, the waters were really low and they actually walked through a puddle and that's how they got through. No, God did a miracle. They stood up and two million of them went through You know what? Dry land, the scripture says. And when the last one stepped out, the waters went back down. They're shaking in their boots. Now, again, we'll come back to her tonight. There's one woman in here that knows she's a sinner. She's got a title of a harlot. And she's hearing of these things happening. She has a longing for the living God, a fear of God. And God meets her where she's at. And listen, individuals... Again, in this world, there's a lot of people, I don't know, how and so-and-so, you know, it's not fair if, if they go to hell, if they never heard of Jesus. God gives a witness to everybody. And let me tell you, when there's people that respond to that witness, and they respond and they say, I want to know the living God, God is always faithful to get the gospel to them. And God got the gospel to Rahab. Because the spies that went in this time, again, we saw where did they land? It wasn't by chance. They ended up in her home. And remember, by faith, she hid them. And she said, listen, I hid you, and now you need to save me because I know this city is going down. And we'll come back to that tonight because, remember, they basically make a covenant together, and they said, put the scarlet thread in your window. And by the way, we're talking about the walls falling tonight. Her house was on the wall. So there was houses built on the wall or, you know what, 
the, the, the wall around it had houses in it, and they said, hang this scarlet cord. They didn't know the walls would come down when they made that covenant, but God knew, and God was leading it. And he said, everyone in your house, when we come in, they will be spared. But if they're outside of the house, that's on them. They're going down. And so that brings us up to where we are. We see there, again, they've crossed the Jordan the spies have come back. God's given all this confirmation. I'm going to give you the land. And then notice verse 1. I'm just going to read the first few verses. We're going to recap 3 through 16 and then jump into 17. It says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. <clears throat> and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. And this is awesome because, again, God's giving them confirmation after confirmation. I'm giving you the land, starting with his word. You know, again, he told them, I'm giving you the land. Not only had he told them, but he had told their forefathers that. Their patriarchs had been told that. God had told Abraham, I'm going to give you the land. God had told Isaac, I'm giving you the land. He had told Jacob, I'm giving you the land. And now he's telling them, as he told Moses, He's telling Joshua, I'm giving you the land. Listen, when God says, I'm giving you something, guess what God does? He gives it to you. What do we need to do? We need to take it. We need to receive it. And so they have the witness of that, along with so many other validations. Even the spies, when they were there, when they heard the report that they were trembling in Jericho, another witness. And now they're getting ready to go in. And what do they see? They don't see the city with their soldiers out saying, we're ready to engage you in battle, but they're shaking in their boots, giants and all. The city is secured. They're on lockdown. They're probably hoping if we lock down, maybe it'll just pass right by us, but that's not the way that it was going to unfold. And so again, an additional sign, an additional assurance. And let me tell you something tonight. There's a lot of people, they want a sign, they want assurance but they really don't want to really get in and follow the Lord. You know, just, just give me a sign and so forth. And they want direction in the sense of worldly pursuits and so forth. And I say this all the time, and it's so true. If you want to shun God's general will, don't expect to get specifics in life. But if you want to embrace God's word, you want to say, look it, I get direction from the scriptures, from the word of God. Let me tell you from there. You will get specific instruction as well, as well as additional confirmations as you go along. Because when you're walking in the light, you'll see the hand of the Lord moving. You'll hear from the Lord so much clearer. You absolutely will get these assurances. that Yes, we're going in the right direction because you will be following God and seeing him unfold things before you. And it's a wonderful thing. How awesome as they go in, and another assurance, I'm giving you all of the lamb. Now again, we know that they are going in, and a battle is going to take place. And we know again, we get saved by the shed blood of the lamb. God has abundant living for us, but I'm going to tell you tonight, there's battles that take place. One writer said, you are a poor, poor soldier if you think you can overcome without fighting and suppose you can have the crown without conflict. Have you noticed in the Christian life, there's conflict at times? Anyone notice that? Conflict with our own flesh, right, at times? 
conflict with the world, with the enemy of our soul, the devil. And they were going to go into the land, but there would be a fight involved. There would be a battle involved. And again, we are in a place where, as Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And notice what it says. This is the additional notes. It's the end of your notes. If you want to look at that verse, it says, violent men take it by force. And so I'm going to give you the land of milk and honey. You got to put faith in me. You got to go in, but you also need to go in ready to battle. And we have been called to a battle. Some people don't like that. They're like, I want to be saved, but I don't want to be a soldier. Once you get saved, you become a soldier. The beautiful thing is God's going to go before you in everything. God's going to equip you. God has given you the sword. It's called the word of God. God's given you a I'll say a nuclear option. It is called prayer and fasting. Are you taking them up on that? God gives us a full armor. God gives us fellow soldiers, brothers and sisters, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise God above all that, we have the commander of the army of the Lord Jesus himself. Again, their enemies were the Canaanites, which it wasn't just one city or nation, but many of them. And no doubt they had odds with one another, but one place where they were all united on is that they were against Israel and the God of heaven. That's very much like us today. Again, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you need to understand the world is under the sway of the wicked one. And sadly, we're seeing more and more of a united front against Christianum, the church, those that want to follow Christ according to the word in the world we're living in right now. But that's prophetic. God said it would be that way. Again, there was also a spiritual element. There was these Canaanites and the gods who they worship. They were full-on worshipers of demons and false deities and so forth. In this world we're in today, again, there is a demonic force behind these things. And then we'll see throughout Joshua and so forth, perhaps the greatest enemy was their own flesh. Because when they went into this land, God would say, Look at in Jericho, all the all of the gold and silver belongs to me. The first fruits belong to God. Everything else, burn it. And listen, if you take any of these things that belong to me, or any things that meant to to be burned into your house, guess what? You're going to have a world of hurt come upon you. Has anyone read the next chapter? A world of hurt comes on them. And how many times is our own flesh, again, our biggest enemy? And we got to learn to crucify the flesh and learn to walk in self-control and learn to walk by faith going you know what god's ways are better learn to put those thoughts down that raise themselves up against the knowledge of god now listen verse 13 through 16 i'm not going to read it again but it's god giving them instructions and we see the number seven come up many times he says take seven priests and seven trumpets have seven days of marching around the city, and then on the seventh day, march seven times around, blow the trumpets, and at that time, everybody is going to, again, give a praise to God, and the walls are going to come down, and you're going to go in and take the city. Look at God rested on the seventh day after creating for six days. Gave that Sabbath, which was the foreshadow of the rest we have in Jesus, every day. Passover to Pentecost is seven weeks Every seven years was the sabbatical year when everyone, again, got out of debt. Seven seven-year periods was the year of Jubilee where if you had land that you had lost through, again, 
debt or whatever else. It was all returned to the original owner. You see seven continually. Again, the, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, all in the seventh month. Interesting, we went through the book of Revelation recently, and that's a number that came up quite a bit, didn't it? I'm not huge on numerology and things, but there are certain numbers that are significant in the Scripture. Because we saw that there were seven lampstands representing seven churches and seven stars representing seven angels in those churches. Remember, the tribulation is seven years long. And we read of seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, seven thunders, and seven bowls of wrath. What's up with the sevens? Well, listen, seven represents completeness and perfection. We get that out of Genesis 1. You know what? God said it's good. It is good. And then he rested on the seventh day. Again, creation was completed. It also is from the word Shiva in the Hebrew, which means to be full, to be satisfied. And again, it's a reminder, God finishes what he starts. And he had brought them again out of Egypt. And now he wants to bring them more into a place of fullness and completeness and them saying, let's go walk in the land of milk and honey. We want to allow God to be doing a complete work in our life. To be a people that say, yes, Lord. It's, 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 I do know you by grace through faith. But listen, I want to abound in you. I want to walk in the fullness of what you have for me in the scripture and the person of the spirit. I want to be a person sold out for you. Are we sold out for the Lord tonight? I don't want to walk in a compromise. I want to abound in you at every single turn. So again, he gives us his instruction. He gives them battle orders. Interesting, just kind of studying the archaeological record of Jericho. They say the city was probably on about eight acres. Our church here is on three acres. So it's, you know what, this, the office and the overflow parking lot, you know, at times two, you get six and then you know what, two-thirds of that, you got eight. I think we know a lot about acres around here. They say from the archaeological record, there are actually two walls around it that were very high walls, probably about 15 feet apart. Man will look at that and say, run right through it. God says, march around it, and it's going to come down. See, God's ways are so much higher than our ways and our thoughts above our thoughts and when they trusted in the Lord, again, Hebrews 11.30 says, And by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they encircled it seven days. Spoiler alert, the walls are going to fall down in the next half of the chapter here. Let's move up here to verse 17. Because now we get instruction, and we looked at this quite a bit last week, or the last study of, you know what, these walls going down and why they were. Notice it says, now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in her house because she hid the messengers that we sent. And again, the city was doomed. The city had been judged. And I, I won't spend a lot of time on this tonight because I spent a lot of time on it the, the time before. Um, but I do want to come back to this again because this is where people so oftentimes want to try to judge God and want to try to throw shade at God. Oh, wait a minute. What kind of God would doom a city? What kind of God would judge a people? I thought he's a loving God. They'll say, well, that's not my Jesus. You know, my Jesus dines with sinners and they leave off that Jesus said to sinners, you need to go repent. 
That means you turn. That's a change of mind. We can't, again, carve out our own Jesus. Now, again, Jesus makes the way of salvation for all. Jesus has paid the penalty of sin for all. And all have opportunity to call upon him or shun them and to go about their own business. And again, we see it throughout Scripture. And we see it playing out in this age that we're in right now. God is so merciful and will give witness after witness after witness. And the more that a culture and individuals reject that, the more steeped it will get in its sin. And the more they take the mercy of God for granted and God allowing them to continue. Again, we know what happens. God's wrath builds up. That's what's happening in our country right now. We need to be desperately praying for our, our nation. And again, we know that this land was doomed and they're in your notes. Listen, these are just a few of the scriptures that talk about the things that they didn't just do in private, but things they celebrated and things they promoted. Abominations that they walked in, sexual abominations. You know what, sexual perversions. Uh, you know what, a culture that very much embraced fornication and adultery and homosexuality and bestiality, and they made it the norm. Those things should not be the norm. Again, praise God. He forgives us of those things. Praise God. His plan is better for us than those things. Praise God. He's even patient with us in those things, practically learning how to walk in the Lord Jesus Christ and overcoming those things. These people, though, had fully embraced it and promoted it and celebrated it. It was also a culture that very much embraced witchcraft and the occult and so forth. Notice Deuteronomy 18.9, And when you come into the land which the Lord God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations, which includes Jericho, that again is doomed by the Lord. There should not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft or soothsaying, interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who conjures up spells, or a medium or a spiritist who calls up the dead. They practiced those things, and again, it wasn't a thing that it was practiced in secret. This was the norm. I think most of you guys are at least have heard of, 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 uh, of TikTok. I guarantee you down the hallway there, all those kids know that TikTok is. And it's pretty much like a, it's like a Twitter platform, but it's with video. There's videos, you know, of little different things. And, and listen, there's some things that are on there that are, that are very gospel-centered and are good. Praise God for those things. But, but, you know, for the most part, it's very fleshly and so forth. But listen, there's something called witch talk that's a hashtag on TikTok with a few other occultic hashtags, or in other words, promotion of witchcraft. And modern witches and promoters of the occult, you know what, they'll tell you that's one of their main platforms they use to recruit kids and teach kids about occultic practices. And those hashtags together combined, uh, and you can track how many of those videos have been hit that promote witchcraft, the occult, spell casting, all these types of things. All of those things have been hit 30, not million, but 30 billion times. 30 billion times. And TikTok is a, is a new platform in social media. 
I know exactly how old it is, but I, but I know it's very fresh. 30 billion times those videos that promote the occult and witchcraft have been watched. We're very much a culture embracing those things, making them the normal thing. And then notice as well, they'd make their sons pass through the fire. No regard for life. No regard for children at all. Look at it's very much the world that we are living in right now where, boy, even this last election, so many things that were passed were just, just grossly wicked. No regard for the sanctity of life. No regard for the baby in the womb. Gross promotion, even with the Senate right now, of, of abominable relationships, calling marriage with a man and a man, a woman and a woman, Holy matrimony. I, I, I even hear so many supposed Christian politicians completely waffling on it, making concession and so forth. And listen, we're called to absolutely be a compassionate and a loving people, but the way that we love people is pointing them towards the truth and say, My God's got a better plan for you. Standing in the truth of the scriptures, not mixing in the ways of the world. Because I'll tell you, you mix in the leaven, the leaven multiplies. And you see the multiplication of it in our world today. And sadly, you're seeing the multiplication of it even in so much of the church. Again, God had been gracious with these people. God had given them a witness. Rahab had been a witness to these things, the testimony of what God had done. No doubt she had heard it as a little girl because you do the time, you know, the, the, the genealogy. She, she probably... You know, a teenager, maybe early 20s right now at this state. So she had heard what God had done, and she longed for that God. She groped for that God. Where's the rest of Jericho in this? When they saw that Jordan split, they could have all went out and bowed down and said, we want to worship your God. We want to repent. God would have said, embrace those people. Bring them in. He 100% would have told them to do that. But they had so hardened their heart. And now wrath was about to come upon them there's a better way jesus bore our wrath he bore our shame isn't his way it's the good news because all of us before we came to christ were abominable in our sin and so he bore our wrath he bore our abominable actions upon himself laid down his life took the wrath to us and then conquered those things when he rose from the grave so again, the city's doomed to destruction by the Lord, all who are in it. But notice, only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all in her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. She's going to be saved because she has faith. She put faith in the Lord. And let me tell you, when you put faith in the Lord, God absolutely writes your name in his book, and he takes note of you. In this day that we're living in, we're... Look at there's impending doom upon this world. Oh, he's a hellfire doom, you know, preacher. Now that's the scriptures. Are you in Christ tonight? Can you say amen to that? Amen. Then listen, as he says, look at this, this world's going to get ushered into a tribulation. I'm going to come back and set this all in order. But he'll say, but so-and-so, they're going to be spared. So-and-so is going to be brought out. Your name there is you are in Christ Jesus. Notice verse 18. And you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. We'll see in a second here. God told them all the gold, the silver, all the first fruits 
the things that would go through the fire and survive it belonged to the Lord. The offering of the first city, it all belonged to the Lord. But there were many things, again, there that they used for the occultic practices. On top of that, just their possessions and so forth. And again, the whole thing was going to get judged. All of that was to be burned. All of it. And so as they went in there, again, the gold, the silver, and so forth went to the treasury of the Lord. Everything else was to be burned. And if any of that were taken upon, again, a person there in Israel, there would be trouble that would come upon them and trouble that would come into the camp of Israel. And notice what he says, by all means, abstain from the accursed things. Again, this was a people of faith. But by all means, abstain from the things that will trouble you. Abstain from the things that will trouble the nation. Now, there's a man named Achan. And we know that, again, he would be called the troubler of Israel. I don't want to get ahead. We're going to preach chapter 6 tonight, not chapter 7. But we know he would take some of the accursed things. It says he would go in and he'd see some gold and he'd see some, you know what, some treasures. And he would... He would put those things and he thought if i take these things i'll get ahead i'll get ahead in this new land and he took him and he buried him in his tent and we know that it would cost israel a lot a lot of lives would die because they go in the next city and guess what they would get routed by a smaller city than jericho boy joshua begins crying out and lamenting and so forth and so they had to go through a big old thing and listen that, that's what sin does it just takes away time it just, it just brings trouble and so forth to get down and find where the gold is and it would cost this guy his life and his family's life who obviously went, around, went along with it. Again, this is a man that, 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 that's going in that, that seems to be even a, a, a man that, that, that has a faith, a genuine faith. But he didn't have a genuine fear of God. He heard this, abstain from the accursed things, lest a curse come upon you and a curse come upon us and you're troubled and the land is troubled. Uh, you know, he got in there and that gold, it looks so good and the, 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 you know what, the word of the Lord just looks so small. There's a lot of accursed things. There's a lot of things that the Lord calls us to abstain from. Oh, Steve, you're getting legalistic. What are you doing? No, we're called to holiness. Now, if you want to make up your own list that's outside of the scripture, say, these are the blessed things and these are the accursed things, you know. Now you're getting into some legalism and God hates that. But you better believe there are things that God has called us to by all means abstain from. We got a God who teaches abstinence, Amen. And yet, how many times will we bring them into our lives? We'll allow them to fester. We'll allow them to grow. And they always trouble our lives. Men of God that bring in pornography and allow it and look at it and so forth, all it does, pleasure for a short time, it troubles them. It will trouble your marriage. It will trouble you raising your kids. It will trouble your mind. Look at that stuff not only is going to trouble your heart, but your person, your physical being, and everything else. What about someone who doesn't want to forgive and they, they, they want to bring bitterness and unforgiveness? Does that do your soul well? No, it troubles your soul. 
God even allows it to trouble you because God will not pour out his spirit on disobedience. God has something better for you. Look at that brings you into the wilderness land versus walking in again the land of milk and honey. Achim went and he buried in his tent and he hid it. And how oftentimes do again we bring things into our life anger and again like I said bitterness and lust and it could even just be envy and jealousy, whatever it is. And we bury it down in there instead of saying, oh, Lord, I want to bring this into the light. Help me with this, God. Renew my mind. Let me take up what the word of God says about this so that these thoughts and, again, these attractions and so forth can be punished by the word of truth. And I can have my mind renewed so I can experience your healing hand and the fruits of the Holy Spirit and start learning to walk in who I am in Christ Jesus. James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. I don't know how many times when I hear that verse quote today, they, they stop at the comma. Yes, absolutely, we should 100% minister to those that have greater needs, widows and orphans. But notice what it says next, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You say, well, I'm not religious. I got a relationship, so I just do whatever I want, and me and Jesus, we go out and we party. No, let me tell you something tonight. If Jesus is your Lord, you got a relationship with him, then you are also called to religion is called piety all it means is means i have a, a heart that wants to live for god and i want to keep myself unspotted from the world by all means i want to keep the accursed things away from me look at that's a picture of war and warfare it means i made to make some changes in my life it means I, I, need, I might need to get some things out of my home. I might need to get some accountability in some areas. I might need to get on my face and pray and pray and pray and pray. And I say, I'm not going to get up until this bitterness is gone. Maybe tonight there's things that are accursed things. And you brought them in your, in, in, into your camp. And you know, you know it's doing nothing but troubling you. Hear the word of the Lord tonight. Bring those things to him. Call them what they are. Repent. Trust in the Lord in his way. He'll absolutely meet you where you are at. Verse 19. But all the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. And they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Again, this was a call to give the first fruits unto God. The first treasures unto the Lord. Think about it like this. Everything we have belongs to God. When the Bible says we're stewards, it doesn't mean I steward 10% of what I have. And that's God's. And then the rest, I steward it for me. Everything you have belongs to God. We're managers of it. And God has said of the first fruits, give those to me. And let me tell you, when you run around people that want to say, you know what? Don't give of your first to God. That's the counsel of a troubler. Because <laughs> throughout the scripture, the old and the new, God says, give of your first fruits and watch blessings that come your way. But when there's things that belong to God and yet we want to bury them in our tent, 
There's going to be trouble that comes from that. There absolutely is. Did not the Lord say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you? Well, I do that except when it comes to my treasure and my time and my talents. But he's got my heart first. No, Jesus says where your heart is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruit of all your increase, so your barns may be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's a pretty awesome word, is it not? I think that the evidence whether we believe that or not is if we do that, because guess what? God's not a liar. Oh, Steve, that's Old Testament. You're trying to bring it into the New Testament. What's wrong? We're under a different covenant. Well, slow your roll there. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Yes, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly over necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, we say it all the time in this fellowship. Yeah, give of your first fruits, but do it cheerfully. Not out of necessity. Do it cheerfully. If it's out of necessity or begrudgingly, keep it buried in your tent until your heart gets right with the Lord. But I'll tell you, there's great blessing in saying, let's do it God's way. Let's trust in the Lord. It all belongs to God. Verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. And the wall fell down, notice, flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. No doubt it fell down flat, and no doubt it fell down flat inward. <laughs> if it was outward, they'd have a problem. Interesting, I'm not going to read the verses tonight, but, you know, just really fresh in my mind, even our study in Revelation. And you can see parallels in these passages and so forth. Again, they're going into the promised land. We, we can, we're called to walk on the fruits of the Spirit, but there is the time when Jesus is coming back, and guess what? We are going to rule and reign with Christ, and we are going to, so to speak, cross over into a thousand-year millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And before that happens, we read multiple times in Revelation of the mountains and the islands getting flattened on this earth. It's going to be God preparing for that reign of a thousand years. And it's a significant, again, or a, or, a, or a picture, absolutely, of the victory awaiting us in the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, and notice, And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. And again, some will step back. Oh, so cruel. What a wicked people. What an evil people. What an evil God. Even the kids? This is a judgment from God coming upon these people and them not caring a lick for their children's soul whatsoever. Our actions affect our kids. Our behaviors absolutely have an impact upon them. The Lord was coming in to wipe this all out. It had ran, run its course. There's also the other aspect of this, which 
I won't go into deep detail tonight. We've talked about it before in Genesis and other passages. But this was a people that had a polluted DNA. Oh, well, you're getting weird, Steve. No, they had a polluted DNA. Because when they went in and saw the giants the first time, it wasn't like, oh, dude, six foot one, he's a giant. No, dude was eight foot four, he was a giant. Ten foot eleven, he's a giant. Because you can go back there again in Genesis and angels came down and they mixed with the daughters of men and they produced giants. One of the reasons why God brought the flood. Because God said that the seed of man, the savior of the world would come. Satan wanted to cut that off. If I pollute the seed, there can be no savior. Here they are after the flood. And Satan goes, look, that's my go-to before. I'm going to go back to it again. And you'll read throughout the Old Testament these giants that have a supernatural type nature about them that are the product of angels mixing with the daughters of men. It's talked about in the New Testament. Jude speaks about it. It's talked about in 2 Peter chapter 2. Look, at the Lord was going in to clean this up to give assurance of the Savior coming into the world. Verse 22, but Joshua had said to the two men who spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman, all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. Well, listen, the walls just fell down flat. We know from the previous chapters, Rahab's house was on the wall. Obviously, a section of the wall did not fall down. Obviously here, this isn't just the men of Israel keeping their end of a deal. This is God Almighty honoring her faith. This is the picture of someone who says, I am a harlot, but I want to get washed, forgiven. I want to worship the living God. And now she's been planted on the rock of Christ, and the trials have come in, and guess what? Her house stood. Isn't it awesome? And again, before the the full-on military campaign happens, he says, I'm going to rescue you out. Read there in Luke 17 about the coming of the Lord, and it compares it to the days of Noah, not... And Lot, and it says, Noah entered the ark, and then the wrath came. Lot was pulled out of the city, then the fire came. Yes, we're going to have trials and tribulations and persecutions, but God spares his people from his wrath. And I love it, because it wasn't they went in, and it's just Rahab, she's in there all alone. No. Her father, her mother, her brothers, her friends... This place is packed wall to wall. She's no longer a harlot. Now she's Rahab the evangelist. Isn't that awesome? Rahab the evangelist. She went out and went preaching. This is a mighty woman of God. We'll get to it, back to it in a second. She is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She wasn't, oh, just save me so I can go practice witchcraft and soothsaying there with Israel. She says, save me and I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. I'm going to walk in what God has for me. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. 
only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron that they had put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. Again, the fire came, and, and what survived it? The things that were given unto the Lord. Jesus talks about this. Store up your treasure in heaven. <laughs> it's going to endure the fire. Every, everything is going to burn, just so you know. We're doing all this work in the sanctuary. It's so beautiful. We want to be good stewards of it. Days come, it's all going to burn. But hopefully there's things going on in this place that's storing up treasure in heaven for all of us. Taking time tonight to come and worship the Lord. To be a people ministering to the others in the body of Christ. To want to get the gospel out to the community we're in and our world and so forth. We're, 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 we're in this together in that. And individually in our lives. Those things all endure through the fire. Oh Lord, let us be Sold out more unto you. Amen. And then Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And a few weeks ago, we went into this great detail. How that in Hebrews, it talks about Rahab the harlot who, again, by faith hid the spies. She was still a harlot when she was doing that. But again, that title was about to be dropped. Because you go into Matthew 1, and it's the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and son of Abraham. And it starts with Abraham, though you can trace Abraham back to Adam when God gave the promise, through the seed of a woman, the Savior's going to come. And that old devil will bruise his heel, but he's going to crush his head. And you follow it down. And you see Abraham there in Matthew chapter 2 who birthed this nation of Israel. And you follow down and you get through some generations. And then you come to verse 5. Salmon begot Boaz. And we're familiar with him through the book of Ruth, are we not? That happened during the time of the judges. It's not Judges, Ruth, and Samuel. It's not a chronological order. It happened during the time of the judges. That's how this fits. I got a you know what, if you're into genealogy and timelines, I got one of those in your notes. I'm not going to go over it in detail. But Salmon begot Boaz by, notice, Rahab. Well, not Rahab the harlot? By Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. She ain't no harlot anymore. That's what she was. Old things have passed away. Notice 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. You know what falls into that with these sexual sins? Harlots. Really, again, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's us in our sin before we came to Christ. Oh, boy, if it just stopped right there, we were all in trouble. We, 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 we have no hope. Oh, but praise God for verse 11. Stand on verse 11. Preach verse 11. Anyone that doesn't preach verse 11, get away from them as fast as you can. Because they are liars. Because this says, and such were some of you. That's what I was. That's what she was. She was a harlot. 
but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. People need to know in Christ you're forgiven and now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Don't take up those old titles. Learn who your God is and who you are in your God and embrace that and abound as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Big difference between wrestling with things and embracing old things to make provision for them in certain ways and titles. That's not who we are in Christ. I'll say, I praise God so much. When I came to the Lord, came back to the Lord as, 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 a, as a young man, I was looking to get out of my sin. It was, it was killing me, literally. I mean, there was this utter chaos in my life. Cried out to the Lord. I knew enough about the Bible that I knew I was washed and forgiven. But I praise God that I didn't go into a house of heretics and they said, you know what, Steve? Um, you know what? You're a fornicator, so now you're a fornicating Christian. So take on that title. And I had a messed up mind, a perverted mind. Where again, I, I, I looked at things in a wrong way and was drawn to them. I didn't have an order in my life. I knew it was wrong, though. I knew it was horrible. And, and it was one of the things I hated and loved it at the same time. But I knew this has got to get out of here. And it's amazing what happens when you begin to grow in the Lord and begins to renew your mind, how your affections change. And your attractions change. And your person changes. And you start beginning to say, oh, this is the way God's designed it. This is good. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that positionally I'm a new creation in Christ. And now you're teaching me how to walk in it practically. That's what I was. That's not what I am. Tonight, maybe you're wrestling with something, struggling with something. Don't let the devil convince you that's what you are. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're engaged in the battle, amen? You're waging the war. Look, sometimes you've got to put a giant down a hundred times. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he pumps up 101 times five years down the road. Okay, time to put you down again. I hate this false Christ that's preached today that says he can't slay giants or renew your mind. That's a false Jesus. And let me tell you, he's abounding in Christianity today. And that's disgusting. Take up the word of God and get your identity in the scriptures and who you are in Christ. Again, 2 Corinthians, we're almost done here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you anyone tonight? Can you say amen to that? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Praise God, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if God doesn't see me as that, why would I see myself as that? Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who raises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. And you would think after all this, Jericho would, oh man, no way we're going to build there. No way we're going to, you know what, resurrect this city again. You go to Israel today, and guess what? There's the city of Jericho. 
In fact, many believe it's the oldest city in the world. And there it is. I think about 25,000 people live there today. Who in the world would raise this place up after the way it was knocked down and God saying, look, it's a cursed thing if you bring this thing back up again. You go to 1 Kings 16, though, and you see there was a man who was the king of Israel in that day named Ahab. And he had a wife named Jezebel. Oh, what a sweet gal she was. Notice verse 31 there in your notes. It says, and it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethabal, that means Satan, (laughs) king of the Sidians. And he went and served Baal Baal and worshiped him. This guy was so evil. Jeroboam is like kind of the standard of evil. He set up false gods in, in Tel Dan and in Bethel and said, hey, you know, at Israel, don't go down to worship God in Judah and Jerusalem. This is the God that's delivered you out. He set the standard, but Ahab took it to a whole new level. That was a trivial thing. Kind of like that meme, you know, hold my beer. That's basically, oh, Jeroboam, hold my beer. And look, there, there was a lot of drunkenness going on, so it fits. You think you did evil? Watch what I can do. And there's something about when, oftentimes when there's an evil man over a land, it's because he reflects the evil people that he rules over. It's not always the case. But boy, often it's the case. People get so frustrated. Oh man, these politicians, they're so evil. Have you looked around at the common man? Not all men, but the common man. So what happened? Notice verse 34. In his day, in that day of Ahab, because there's a lack of fear of God. The things of God, again, were, were, were downplayed. And not only that, Elijah was the prophet of that day. And Ahab called him the troubler of Israel. <laughs> That's how backwards they were. They, they called good evil and evil good. Does that sound familiar at all? And in his day, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. And you would think that, oh, in the building of Jericho, oh, I lost my son. Oh, it was a horrible accident. You know, they were out there building and, you know, there was a sand pile for some plaster and he was playing and we don't know. Oh, my son. Oh, my son. No, it's not that. In his days, Hal of Bethel built Jericho and notice he laid the foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. Look at his, it was both his boys, and it wasn't through accidents. He sacrificed them to devils. I want Jericho to be blessed. I'm gonna sacrifice my children and get the blessing of the gods. I'll be much better off sacrificing them. I'll prosper in that. Guys, that lies in our world today. Again, praise God, our God forgives. Our God heals. Our God restores. Our God is the God of life. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Come to the Lord for healing, forgiveness, life. He'll lavish it upon you. 
But how heartbreaking. He sacrificed his children. He heard that, no doubt, and said, oh, that sounds good. Let's build up an altar. We'll kill these kids, and let's build the city. I'll have a booming business down there by the Jordan River. Man, what's a profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? In verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. Boy, that's the best thing ever when the Lord's with you, amen? Because if the Lord's with you, who can be against you? And yes, his fame spread, but it spread to the glory of God. To the honor of God, to the praise of God. Well, Heavenly Father, we bless you, we praise you, Lord. Oh, Lord, what a, what a glorious chapter. Lord, it was well worth taking two weeks to go through it. So much application to our lives. Oh, Lord God, we thank you that, Lord, you've delivered us out of Egypt through your shed blood. By grace, through faith in the Lord, and not of works, lest any of us ever boast. And here's the good news tonight. Maybe you're here and you don't know them, and maybe even hearing some of these things, you're shaking in your boots. Listen, that's a good thing. Because that bad news should make you tremble. But here's the good news. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, I'm calling all harlots. I'm calling all fornicators. I'm calling all homosexuals. I'm calling all thieves and just, you know, sinners. Come to me and let me wash you and cleanse you and show you the right way. The word says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you haven't called on him, call on him tonight. And don't make it a trivial thing. Look it. It is a free gift, but it's the only free gift that will cost you your life, but you will win your life and gain your life as a follower of Christ. Lord, any in that place, maybe someone watching, maybe down the road this will be archived or someone will hear it, Lord. Oh, we just pray, Lord, for salvation. And I hope we've been equipped more, God, to take the good news out to this community and world that just desperately needs you. Bless your people tonight. I thank you for every person here tonight. Shine your face on them in a great, great way. Bless our fellowship right now. Just let it be rich and good. And we praise you and we pray these things together in Jesus' name. And we said, amen. amen. God bless you.